Just a heads up, before we play you today's episode, Daniela does mention having suicidal thoughts in this episode. It may not be suitable for everyone. If you or someone you know is affected by the themes she speaks about, you can get help in the UK by visiting the Samaritans website. There's a link in the show notes. My dad believed that the man's job in the marriage or in the relationship was to provide for the woman and that everything I made was just gravy. That was a very, it's a very old school, you know, Niagara Falls mentality. My mother's an immigrant from Colombia. She actually comes from a lineage of fucking badass women. That's Daniela Pearson, the founder of The Newsette, a women-focused newsletter company she started when she was at university at just 19 years old. Now 27, she was recently named by Forbes as one of the wealthiest women of colour in the United States. The Newsette currently has more than 500,000 subscribers. Revenue grew from $1 million in 2019 to $40 million in 2021, just two years. In that time, Daniela started a creative agency, Newland, which works with Fortune 500 brands. Now, all this has made the Newsette the 16th most successful company in America, according to Inc.com, based on its growth over the last three years of over 16,000%. And not just that. Last year, Daniela, who has ADHD, OCD, and depression, co-founded mental health company Wondermind, with Selena Gomez and Selena's mother, Mandy Teefy. It was recently valued at $100 million. <sighs> Welcome to Secret Leaders from Kindling Media. I'm your host, Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm a founder myself. So in my conversations with other entrepreneurs, I try to use my own experience to get under the skin of what got them to where they are today. Daniela grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, what she describes as the unsexy part of the state. She didn't always find it easy to fit in. I have an identical twin sister. Um, so she was always my best friend. Um, you know, it, it wasn't really that easy for us to make friends. Um, we just, I guess, didn't click with the vibe of, you know, uh, like two-faced, you know, tweens or teenagers or whatever. We just, we, we rather just do our own thing. So we had a few friends, but we always had each other. Um, but the big thing was that my sister was the star. Um, she was the top of the class. She um, still is, you know, super brilliant and um, just really great at school. And I was essentially the dumb twin uh, because I was, you know, a B and C student. And so my parents would grade us on, you know, a scale of if Alex didn't get all A's, my twin, then she'd get in trouble. But if I got B's and C's, I was good. Um, so luckily they understood that there was a gap um, in between, you know, interest level or maybe intelligence uh, when it comes to school. And they didn't hold me to the same standard. Um, but I didn't know at the time. I actually didn't know until about like probably six months ago. Um, but along with OCD and um, depression, uh, I also have ADHD, uh, which makes a lot of sense now, especially to my parents, because if I really wanted to focus on something, I could do it and I could excel. But if I was absolutely not interested in something, I just could not. It, it, it was it was nearly impossible to get me to, you know, focus on that one thing. And so I remember many sleepless nights where my mother would, my mother, who is also a genius like my sister, um, would stay up until, you know, the wee hours of the morning, as you guys would say, um, and uh, give me, you know, flashcard uh, tests for a science or whatnot. And I just could, I was probably so frustrating, but I just could not focus. Uh, however, my junior year of high school, I realized that my sister was getting all of these letters from all of these incredible universities that were going to take her far, far away from Jacksonville, Florida, and that I was not. And so I really put myself into gear junior year. I basically decided that since I didn't have a lot of friends, I didn't have a lot that I was missing out on during school hours that I would take every single second. So every lunch break, every 
activity break, um, every free period during class, etc. I would devote strictly to just studying almost like a, an eight hour sprint. And I actually went from B to C's to straight A's and A pluses in all of my classes. And I think that really surprised a lot of people. And that's how I knew I was the dumb twin because people would turn around and say, I thought you were the dumb twin when I would get my like A plus test. But truly, yeah, it was just because I realized, oh shit, if I don't get my shit together, you know, I'm gonna stay here forever and, and I wanna go far away and I know that I belong in a big city and I want the option to be able to go somewhere like that. Such a great um, early opportunity for you as well to learn one of the key lessons in life people spend decades trying to realize and learn, which is for most of us, you know, most myself included for sure, um, aren't gifted or overly intelligent and especially like I relate because I suck at academia I really just am not the type of person um, who can do any of the stuff that you just described as well very similarly um, got straight A's after being predicted all B's Um, and uh, I consequently I got none of the universities that I was applying for because um, I got predicted all B's and I got all A's because I worked my ass off to do it Um, or ass as you guys would say Um, (laughs) And so I I massively relate, but then one of the really um, defining and interesting characteristics of entrepreneurs quite often is that it isn't easy for us. Um, And that actually, you know, yes, it's amazing to be incredibly smart and ridiculously hardworking, but um, I think effort beats intelligence all day long over a career. And one of the things that people like us get to learn very early on is that with enough effort, you can surprise yourself. Yeah, you you definitely can. Um, I there's a quote from someone who I think is a bit uh, problematic now. I think it's Will Smith, uh, but I've always loved the quote that it's. I'm gonna butcher it, but it's like you know I, I may not be the most talented but I will die on the treadmill or the fastest runner, but I will die on the treadmill. So it's like, you know, I may not be the the most smart um, or, you know, gifted person in the room, but I will never stop. And ultimately, as you know, as an entrepreneur, the people who win just never stop. It's almost like we have the dumb gene in us that keeps us going. Ultimately, as an entrepreneur, you don't need to be the smartest person in the room. You just need to be the person that everybody believes in. And you need to be the person who can take all of the people who are smarter than you in their specific categories and make magic. And so when I learned that um, through starting the new Zed, and I realized, wow, you know, I don't have to be a 50-year-old man from Harvard, white man from Harvard, you know, to succeed and make millions of dollars. That really opened my eyes to how the world works. And it, it really is the reason why I, you know, want my story to be heard by people who maybe had the similar mindset as me, that they were a loser, that they could never succeed because they were the dumb one or they weren't special, they had no talents or whatever, because I certainly had none. And I might not look like the typical, you know, success story, uh, I guess the the Forbes headline of the youngest, wealthiest, uh, self-made person of color. I definitely don't look the part of that, you know, that, that very big headline, $220 million, you know, uh, net worth, etc. But that's why I want to show people that you don't have to look like what success has looked like in the past. You just have to push forward so that success looks like anything. I mean, it's so well said, and also like a really great early reflection, right? So you've learned a lot of lessons um, so fast from a young age by just heading um, head first into these things. So, you know, let's let's crack on with the the story. You finished university, straight A's, uh, or finished school rather, straight A's, um, affording you the opportunity to go elsewhere. So, what did the next three four years look like for you? knew that college just wasn't for me the second I went in and my first classes were all of the things that I had learned in high school and in middle school because the first two years of my program we were literally doing history and English and science and I was like 
I I want to I want to be in business or I want to write for magazines. What am I doing? And so um, it was almost escapism for me to get a job. Um, so I worked at the Abercrombie in Cambridge, which was an about an hour train each way. And my parents were horrified that I would do this because not only was I making minimum wage um, and it probably wasn't even covering, you know, the, the train and, and everything to get there. Um, but they also, you know, sacrificed so much for me and my sister uh, through building their own careers so that we didn't have to work while we were in college and we could just focus on being students and having fun and, you know, learning about ourselves. Both of my parents grew up poverty level poor and they both worked their way into you know both successful uh people so my dad owns car dealerships and he's very street smart never went to college very much my personality i'm very much like him we're both salespeople at heart and my mother um you know grew up in in poverty you know, level Columbia and had to win the scholarship every single year uh, for the university she was in so that she could pay for it. And so, you know, when I got to college and I realized that this wasn't my thing, my dad never went to college, but it was his dream that his daughters, you know, graduate. And so I think that they they really wanted me to um, they, like find my place and everything, but it just didn't really happen. And so, uh, but I, I, I just quickly realized that I wasn't in the right place and I wanted to dedicate myself to something. Um, I, I wrote this, you know, little essay for some reason a few years ago and uh, about my OCD and about like my journey in, in college. And there's like one part where I'm like, I envied people who had a passion. Like I wanted a love like that. And so I I truly used working at Abercrombie, even if it was me waking up at 5 a.m. for the, you know, um, the Black Friday sale. I loved the, the rush of feeling like I was doing something, even though I was, you know, starting from the very bottom. And so I did this for about six months, mostly behind my parents' back. My mom was the only one that knew. And so um, I actually took my mom to the store and you know my my parents uh they 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 do well for themselves um my sister and i you know we we were probably you know one of the wealthiest people in um, our school and you know it's jacksonville florida it's not like it's miami or anything and so uh we we had the best cars the biggest house everything but we still felt like such outsiders because my sister and i didn't like to you know, we were so embarrassed every time our parents would pick us up in a nice car and stuff because we just wanted to be, you know, normal. Um, so, you know, my mom came in and she was, uh, you know, wearing all of her jewelry and her designer purses and, and everything. And she walks into the Abercrombie and she's literally like, you work here? And it was so much shock in her face. So the first reaction was, you know, this, you know, woman who, because of slaving away at work and then, uh, you know, meeting my dad, et cetera, had now reached a level of success that definitely her parents had never dreamed about in that top 1% in the country. And then kind of remembering that she literally had to make sandwiches and sell them to teachers when she was in high school and college to pay for her lunch. And she saw that in me and I think she was really surprised and she actually cried a little bit after we left. I, I think my mom realized that I was not going to be like everyone else or most people in my position, like her friends, who the children who just were kind of like, you know, I'm owed everything and I am not willing to work for it. And so I think my, my parents didn't really know I had that drive because my sister was, you know, of course, working her arse off <laughs> every single day um, at school and I was just not getting it. And so I think she finally realized wow, she, she wants to work hard. It's just, she, she, th this isn't, school isn't really for her. Thank you so much for sharing um, something that I think most people honestly struggle to talk about. Um, you've probably experienced this uh, surprise or reaction before um, 
when talking to people about it, because I think people from privileged upbringing um, shy away from it. You know, don't want to talk about it publicly for sure. Yes. Um, because they feel like it lessens their own achievements or whatever the other reasons might well be. Obviously, people are complex, so there's, there's a lot more to it than just that. Yeah, you know, people can say that yeah, I'm not truly self-made, but the only thing my parents ever gave me for my business, because they definitely did not have any connections in the media or business space in New York City, uh, they all of the people they know are in Jacksonville, Florida in the car business. Um, but they they loaned me $15,000 when I was, when I begged in my junior year because I wanted to actually start you know, putting effort into the money, uh, into my business. And I had to literally sign a contract with them that if I didn't pay it back in three years, that they would own 50% of my company. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, the reason why I don't shy away from speaking about it is because it definitely is part of my story of how I grew up. But instead of saying, oh, great, like I've got everything, you know, I, the desire wasn't to make and, and have the life I didn't have, my desire and the, the shining star in front of me was, I want all of this without needing it from a man and having strings attached to everything. I want it myself. And so although, you know, people can say, you know, oh, she's not self-made because she comes from a, you know, a wealthy family, my, my father uh, actually uh, probably died inside the second that I he realized that I was trying to be an entrepreneur and, you know, basically said I, all I was doing was playing on the computer all day and trying to pretend to be an entrepreneur when I should just, you know, just study in school and how lucky I was for the, you know, opportunity. And so my dad's mentality was always like, I don't want my daughters to have to work as hard as I did because I, it nearly killed him. He, he had worked so hard so many years to achieve what he achieved. My parents um, definitely gave me the gift of not having to work during college, but they also, you know, made it very clear that my sister and I we were not riding, you know, the free express. And so that's why after I quit Abercrombie and I started doing the newsette, I realized this is the only chance in my entire life where I have four years paid for by my parents, where I can do anything I want. I can go party and make friends and whatever, or I can start up something that I can actually work at when I graduate. And so when I had that realization, it was almost like that high again with Abercrombie, but instead of the potential of maybe, you know, making uh, making uh, a small wage and maybe becoming a manager, I was like, you know, this could actually get me a job after college that is a dream job. I never really thought about it as me ever being an entrepreneur because again, I didn't think I was talented or, you know, um, smart enough. If you're trying to grow your startup and you're dealing with companies outside of the UK, you're probably going to need ISO 27001 at some point. It's not the sexiest acronym, but it's basically the global standard for proving your security practices are up to scratch, like how you handle customer data. The same goes with SOC 2. You're going to need it if you're a SaaS company. But achieving these security frameworks can be very tedious and very costly. This is where our partner Vanta comes in. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work for certifications like ISO 27001, SOC 2, GDPR, HIPAA, and more, getting you audit ready in weeks instead of months and saving you up to 85% of the cost. And as a special offer, our listeners get 20% off Vanta. Just head to vanta.com slash secretleaders. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash secretleaders for 20% off. There's a link in the description. Look, you know I'm fascinated by AI, but until the machines take over, there's only one thing that's going to determine your company's fortunes. People. This isn't some kind of hollow point to make me look good. If you speak privately to any successful entrepreneur, they'll confirm it's true. So, 
If you're a leader of a growing business, then you should check out Personio. It brings together all the important HR things like hiring, onboarding, payroll data, performance reviews, and so on. You don't want loads of employees sending you emails asking for time off. You want to be able to see things objectively, like it's taking you too long to hire. You want to do performance reviews well, having clear goals for people that are logged in a centralized system. And you want to do all these things in one simple tool without having to become an HR expert. All of this is possible with Personio. Check it out at personio.com forward slash secret leaders. That's personio.com forward slash secret leaders. There's a link in the show notes. Daniela started the newsletter in 2015 during her second year at Boston University. Her dream was to work in a magazine, but she was worried her grades and lack of connections would mean she'd have no chance of getting an internship. So she decided to do what all good entrepreneurs do, just make her own magazine in the form of a newsletter. She didn't receive much support, though, from those around her. My team consisted of three people, me, myself, and I. I had to fucking hustle my ass off and not be taken seriously by every single person in my life, uh, every single professor. I had trolls and haters when I literally had negative success. Like it was just like bottom of the barrel. So, you know, I'm very open and honest about the fact that my father with his mentality, and luckily I I think it's changed, thought, you know, women weren't supposed to be the main providers and they were supposed to be everything again was supposed to be gravy. So my dad never even looked at me as a potential person to, to take over his businesses. Um, I don't know if he thought, didn't think I had it in me or if he just didn't want that life for me as a woman. Um, and so I was very discouraged by my you know, father who it was, it was also sad because I admired him so much and we were so similar and he was an entrepreneur. And it was almost like, wow, like if he doesn't believe in me, what am I doing? But once I once I I started sending the newsletter, I I I was so addicted that waking up every day at 5 a.m. and eating three bowls of fruity pebbles to keep me up while I, you know, um did uh three to four hours of newsletter work and then ran to class and then ran to the study room, etc. It got me on this high that like I, again, had such a chip on my shoulder and I kept saying, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. And so, you know, every single person in my life up until that point had told me, you know, maybe you should look at, you know, uh, you know, being an intern at this company because, you know, like you're not that like good at anything else. And, and you know, kind of talking to me like I was like a lost cause. Um, my dad actually said that I should practice the phrase, do you want fries with that shake? Um, whenever he would get mad at me for getting a bad uh, grade because he was like, that's your future. Um, and I was obviously being compared to my sister who was, you know, just an Ivy League genius. Little did he know you'll end up buying McDonald's as a big fuck you. Uh, no, yeah, I definitely have not bought McDonald's, uh, but that would be nice. Uh, but that'd be a nice present for him. But it, it just, I, I don't blame him whole, wholly because no, again, like I, I had, I didn't know about any 20 something year old millionaire entrepreneurs. Like in, and if I did, it, they were male and they were from Silicon Valley and they raised billions of dollars. And so no one believed in me. Um, so I, I want to just point out that I have not, the, the, the trolling and the, you know, uh, bashing started long before I found success. Um, and it almost fueled me like their world words fueled me. Uh, when I published the, the Forbes article that I still, again, I blink every time I see it. So I posted the article. I essentially said, wow, never thought a headline like this would be written about me in Forbes, especially as a Latinx woman who struggles with ADHD, OCD, and depression. Thank you to my amazing The Newsette team and to everyone who has ever believed in me. But most of all, Thank you to the people and professors who told me I wasn't smart, capable, or talented enough to ever be successful. Your brutal words kept me up at night working my ass off to prove you wrong. Anyone can do anything. And that's 
really the only thing I wanted that article to show. You know, it's this big headline, me, the 27-year-old Latinx entrepreneur is now worth $220 million. Oh my gosh. But in that article, I'm very, very transparent about the fact that I am everything that success shouldn't look like. And if I would have seen someone like that when I was 19, it probably would have made it a lot easier and not so much of an emotional traumatic journey for me to believe in myself when no one else did. Yeah, I mean, there's a saying that uh, resonates right now, um, which is you cannot be what you cannot see. Mm -hmm. And I think obviously for a lot of young women that see someone like you, that absolutely inspires and gives confidence that they can become the next Daniela. However, um, there's a really interesting paradox. I I, you know, again, because I speak to so many entrepreneurs, I find it, all, all these themes so fascinating. There's just such an interesting paradox, because if you think about the words that you've said, thank you so much, essentially, for putting me down and telling me I couldn't do it. Fuck you, I've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had the same experiences a lot of times. I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening can totally relate to that attitude and angle. And therein lies the problem that um, it it drives an anger and a hunger to prove everyone wrong at the same time. um, You know, we want the world to be kinder, to uh, lift people up, to do all of these things. And actually, you know, again, another saying, but, um, you know, sometimes the world doesn't give you what you want. It gives you what you need. And for some of us, like that tough love and the journey um, against the odds is genuinely, you know, it's the hero's journey. It's the classic one, but it's really... What is needed? You need your time in the wilderness. You need your time being told that you'll never amount to nothing. This is fuel. And I I find this whole paradox so complicated because I also work (laughs) like you do in mental health. So I find it all so complicated because I'm like, I know this stuff is, you know, it's great for resilience, but on the other side, you know, sensitivity and... I have have a strong opinion on this. Um... Excellent. I was hoping you would. (laughs) Is that why I'm here? Um, So, you know, people can disagree with me or or, um, agree with me. I just think that it, it shouldn't have been as hard as it was for me to find success. Like, obviously, it's... nearly impossible to build a successful business. Like you have to dedicate yourself, you have to work your ass off and still you could fail. Uh, But there are things that did happen to me that didn't have to happen that because I was in such a fragile mental health state, that could have taken my life. Like, and truly there were moments where I was like, why am I even living? I can't live with the humiliation of all of these people being right. I do not want anyone to ever feel the way I felt, which is why I'm being very public about my story and investing in a a lot of women who look like me, um, are of color, you know, maybe didn't love school, but are go-getters because I truly believe in order to end the gender gap and the crazy gap between the amount of funding that women receive rather than men. And I have literally had personal experiences being laughed out of a boardroom by one of the biggest investors in the world for the Newsette who told me I reminded him of his granddaughter and not in a good way. Uh, And I I cried and I said, you know, I'm going to prove him wrong too. But, you know, that shouldn't have to happen. It shouldn't, you shouldn't have to earn your stripes that way. Uh, you should, I'm hoping I'm able to clear a path where women know that when people say that to them, it's just fuel. It's not, it's not something that should make you depressed for a week and potentially, you know, ruin your mental health. So I, I, I believe in strength and you have to be strong. You have to, you have to keep going. You have to be in survival mode as an entrepreneur, but there are so many things that could have been prevented that just weren't. Um, and I'm grateful for it because it made me, but it could have also killed me. One moment when she really struggled happened in Daniela's last year of university. She was working hard doing both the Newsette and attending business school. Then, a semester before she was meant to graduate, she failed a key project. Uh, There was this entrepreneur project that was famous at our business school where it's it's so ridiculous, but you are in a team of like 10, eight to 10 people, which it's like, 
now thinking back to it, it's like if you're an entrepreneur, you're not working with eight to ten people. Like you are working with one or two people. So I, I would have. We were working loved... with the three people you said earlier. Me, yeah, myself, me, and myself, I. and I. Yeah, and so that 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 was stupid. But then also the way it was graded was it was peer reviewed, and someone had in the group. Somebody had to. It was like a scale. So some people could get A's, some people got B's, some people got C's, but somebody had or two, one or two people had to get like a D or a C minus or a fail. And so I, the, I took this, you know, program that actually counted like a majority of our grade for that semester. And I was, you know, obviously an entrepreneur myself, but, you know, very shy about it. I didn't even know if I had told anyone about it yet, but like I was working on that business and it was blossoming while I was working with this other business, but I still gave, you know, all of my time and energy to it. And at the end of the day, I was kind of thrown under the bus because they needed everyone like each other in the group. You know, I was very helpful and I added a lot of value, but I wasn't friends with all of them. And they decided to kind of throw me under the bus and say, well, she has another business. There's no way she could have committed as much time as we all did to this. And I failed it. And because of that, I received a letter from, you know, whoever the, the dean of BU, uh, essentially saying that I not only had to retake the classes that I had failed because of this project, because it was the majority of the grade, but I also had to take all of my, you know, uh, freshman or sorry, my first semester senior year classes on top of that. And I already wasn't a good student because I was, you know, dedicating so much time to my business. And if I didn't get a certain GPA, I would be kicked out. So I was essentially going to be kicked out of college one semester before graduation. And I, that moment, it was the lowest moment in my entire life. It was also when my OCD and ADHD, now I know depression, it was all at the worst. I was crying every single day for months. I, I just couldn't control myself. I want to make sure, I want to make clear that it wasn't just them failing me. They actually brought me to tears during the, uh, during the meeting and said, look, we don't think that you can do both. Like, we don't really honestly think you can do the business. So like, maybe you should just drop out and see if you can, but like, you you definitely can't do both. And actually a year later, I ran into one of the teachers and it still wasn't a success, but it was getting you know bigger. And um, I ran into one of the teachers in the elevator and she came in and she looked at me and she smirked and she said, so how's your little newsletter going? And that just devastated me. I, I, I Again, it was like another chip on my shoulder. And so there was a lot of emotional abuse and like, you know, prof those professors in particular trying to bring me down during during class and be like, oh, you think you know this because you have your little business and, and stuff that just was not necessary because critical feedback is required for anybody to grow, but not not like truly picking on somebody when they're at their worst moment and discouraging them. And finally, I went back to that person I was senior year of high school and I said I'm just gonna get this shit done and in the back of my mind I was like this kind of stuff doesn't happen to me where I succeed like I kind of knew in the back of my mind I was gonna fail and somehow I didn't and I passed and then my senior year um or my my last semester of college senior year it was all only entrepreneurship so all of my professors were former entrepreneurs or they, they really were passionate about entrepreneurship and i got almost straight a's and i was on the dean's list it, compared to my last semester and senior year and how supportive those professors and you know administrators were it was just night and day and if i wouldn't have had the second i maybe wouldn't have you know been in this position today when Daniela finished university, she focused on the newsette full-time. It continued with the same core mission she started it with. I believed, you know, the modern-day woman didn't want to just know one part of the news sector. They wanted to know everything. And so it was almost like this five-minute gift in your inbox that not only inspired them to have, you know, an incredible day and achieve everything that they know that they can achieve, but also showcase the stories of other women who have their dream jobs and who have been through, you know, what they want to go through and have advice. And so 
Uh, and, you know, not only learn about the news, uh, you know, the typical news you would watch on a CNN, but learn about, you know, pop culture, uh, fashion, beauty, tech, uh, business, etc. And so a lot of the things like the things to know where those are the news and there are a lot of things that we there, my, our team now, I haven't written in quite a long time, uh, but I, I read, I wrote it every single morning um, for about probably four years um, and never missed a day. Uh, and it, the format is very similar to how it was seven years ago, but the content has definitely evolved. And, you know, instead of only featuring people who are like the social media director at Michael Kors, who I thought was, you know, and, and they those are like incredible people to interview and they have dream jobs that, you know, people in college would want to have. Those are the kind of people I had access to and I would, you know, message on LinkedIn. But now we have people like, you know, Selena Gomez and Mandy Tiefier, uh, Diane von Furstenberg. And so our content became a lot, you know, um, I guess more robust. But then the other thing is that we decided to launch this um, agency arm of our business. And so that's actually quite a story. If you'd like me to tell it, uh, it pretty much sounds straight out of a fairy tale. I mean, uh, you haven't let us down yet with good stories. So who would I be, uh, (laughs) other than starving our listeners of great content, who would I be to say no? Please go for it. Okay, I hope I don't disappoint. So um, essentially about... Three years ago, um, I was in New York. You know, we, it was just, news that was just a newsletter business, and we were doing quite well. I think we were going to do a million dollars that year, um, and I like barely paid myself. I mean, everything went back into the business at that point. Um, I had had one article published about me in Forbes. Uh, it was probably around you know. 2018 2019 uh and it was just talking about how you know i was building this newsletter whatever and sandra campos who was the ceo of diane von furstenberg reached out to me via uh, linkedin and i literally looked at her profile and i was like this is a catfish like how is this person know about me or care about me whatever and they she basically was like i love the news that uh so does diane we want to meet with you. And I literally like showed my office. I was like, this is definitely a catfish, right? And they were like, no, like do the meeting. And so I go to the meeting and Sandra wanted to bring me in because she loved the storytelling that I was doing with the Newsette. And she thought, you know, their brand was all about empowering women as well. And they also wanted a storytelling element. And so I basically, she goes, do you want to meet Diane? And I was like, Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she's an icon and she's uh, basically one of the first, you know, badass women in business. And Diane was actually in the middle of a meeting with somebody. And so I knew I was like, I have like two minutes of this woman's time and she's never going to remember my name ever again. And so I went to uh, we walked up on the other big stairs to go to her office. And I had seen her office on TV, you know, and movies so many times. The doors open, she's in the middle of a meeting and Sandra's like, I want you to meet, you know, Daniela. And I basically introduced myself and I said, you know, I think we should really do an editorial product together because uh, you guys, you know, believe so much in female empowerment. And so do we as the Newsette, but we can actually editorialize that while including a lot of your clothes and make it almost like a DBF publication. And that ended up being called the weekly wrap. And so then she was like, okay, it's nice to meet you. And I shook her hand and I looked her in the eyes and I said, you say that you are a female empowering brand. Well, what is more female empowering than hiring a 23 year old and her company to make this for you? And I just looked her in the eyes and I have no idea. I probably, you know, shit my pants at the same time, but I had no idea what came over me, but I knew like, that was going to be my last moment. And she looked at me and she goes, okay, let's do it. And even Sandra was like, what? From that moment on, I, she became my fairy godmother, my mentor. She uh, lovingly, hopefully calls me um, a used car salesman. And so we decided to do the weekly wrap together, but she also has this in charge movement, which is all about empowering women. And so I would say, you know, let's go talk to YouTube. Let's go talk to Facebook. Let's go do big partnerships with them. And so we were on a plane 
I, I saw on the calendar that International Women's Day was like two months away. And so I went to you know the back of the plane and I said, Diane, I, I have an idea. Um, I, I think you have the most impressive connections in the world. You have the most high profile friends in the world. Let's do something big for International Women's Day that could actually change women's lives. And she goes, okay, what do you wanna do? And I was like, give me a second. And so I, I went back and I, I thought about it and then immediately it clicked because again, going back to my philosophy, in order for women to actually become, you know, uh, level in the playing field, they need the money to do so and they need to succeed so then they can help other women. But I said, your best friend is Jeff Bezos. And she goes, yeah. And I go, well, Amazon is basically a collection of small businesses. And so what if we took International Women's Day and we put 20 small female founded small businesses on the biggest billboard in the world and basically had them all sell out? And she goes, what's the biggest billboard in the world? And I said, the Amazon homepage. And she looked at me and she was like, okay, I'll ask. And so she emailed him said my idea and he said, okay, let's do it. She turned around to me and she goes, okay, here you go. I got it in for you. Now you have to deliver. And at that point it was literally a three person newsletter team. Uh, we were not an agency. And I knew at that point that that was a pivotal moment in my life that I had to dedicate myself to do this. And so almost by myself, I literally took on this campaign this national campaign uh, with the small business team so i met with an executive and then they pointed me to the small business team i did everything while well, my, my team was you know uh continuing on with the newsletter, but for two months, I essentially was the CEO of uh, the, news ad, the newsletter company, but also running a one person agency, doing things I'd never done before. So collaborating with um, you know the Amazon team to actually design what the homepage was gonna look like, uh, actually pick the entrepreneurs we're gonna feature, uh, you know, write about what was so inspiring about them, uh, create programming and amplification and you know assets that, uh, that they could share on social uh, we actually had Diane be the voice of Alexa for that day, and we somehow pulled it off. It was one of the hardest moments of my life because I was just literally working 20 hours a day for those two months, but it was so worth it because when it came out, it was so popular. It was one of their most successful campaigns, and the small business team turned to us and said, us, which is, they didn't know, it was just me like basically working on it and said, hey, uh, you know, we actually really like working with you as an agency. You deliver 10 times the results that our other agencies, which I now know were like the top agencies in the world, you get better talent and you're much scrappier and more creative. Will you do all of these other campaigns for us? And we were like, give us two weeks and basically in those two weeks we like hired you know a paid social expert uh you know, more creative like basically we beefed up like an agency and, and took that investment and that's the year that we went from a million dollars to seven million dollars and then the next year to 40 million dollars pretty amazing uh, what is the transition then from one company to the next um, is the ambition to be like you know what People said I couldn't run two companies concurrently, so fuck them. Because people say that about me, and I think they're right. Like I told you, I'm you know late late for my other companies uh, meeting, so I'm I'm going to learn from you how to do it well. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, are you trying to be CEO of both at the same time? What is the deal? What is um, how does this transition play out? Yeah, so we have the Newsette Media Group that has Newsette Newsletter and other media properties that we're launching, and then uh, Newland, which is the name of our agency. And we've actually kept it quite a secret because we had so much demand that we couldn't fulfill it. And so finally, you know, in the last like you know Forbes feature, etc., I kind of announced that Newland is a thing, and we've gotten um, incredible inquiries from some of the biggest brands in the world, which is really exciting. I am the founder and CEO of that that you know organization that has those two um, you know business units under it. Uh, but I hired a president and a managing director. So the managing director really runs uh, the agency, and the president runs the media side. And then I have an incredible uh, chief of staff and CEO who um, helped make it so that I am involved, uh, but 
they are really helping run the day-to-day parts of the business. And I really add value, or I'm only focused on where I can add extreme amount of value instead of, um, you know, things that they could maybe do on my behalf. And so I would say it's probably like 80% Wondermind and 20% Newsette, um, or Newsette Media Group. And so Wondermind is my new company that was actually started out of you know the news app because or from the news app because we had the amazing opportunity to interview Selena Gomez and Mandy Tifi about mental health and I actually asked if I could do the interview instead of one of my editors and I think they all thought you know is she like having a midlife crisis is she like a big Selena fan uh, but it was actually because the topic was about mental health and no one on my team no one in my life knew that I had such a affiliation to that you know, um, I guess category because I never talked about it. Um, and so when I got on the interview, Selena and Mandy, they were <clears throat> in the interview, they were talking to each other um, as mother and daughter, but almost in ways that they never really even, you know, thought that or never talked to each other before. So they, they were having conversations with each other that I was witnessing as like the, you know, fly in the room that they had, were like, wow, we've never re- really talked about this. And uh, it was all about mental health. And so after we stopped the interview, I, I said, you know, this might be really weird. We don't know each other, but, and you guys are like the fourth and fifth people I'm ever going to tell or I've ever told in my entire life. But I've actually struggled from OCD since I was six years old and depression and, you know, a lot of other things. And so this was really inspiring. And before that moment, without being, you know, um, dramatic, I truly would have rather died than told anybody I had OCD because I was already the 20 something a Latina, you know, woman trying to be taken seriously in business. I didn't want to add, you know, mental illness on top of that because of the stigma. And in that moment, we really decided, you know, we all have such so many competitive advantages in our spaces, so media, production, product, etc., that like we should build the biggest company in the world that democratizes and destigmatizes mental health and actually introduces a term called mental fitness where you work on your mental health every single day but it's entertaining and it's through you know reading interviews from people like Serena Williams talking about her mental health uh, the first interview after she you know announced her retirement um and, and uh reading from the best experts in the world who are in, on our committee so the best psychiatrists, therapists, social workers, et cetera. It's almost like a one-to-many model where they might charge $1,000 a session, but anyone in the world can read this content for free because we don't charge for our content. It's all ad-based and partnership-based. And we have, right now it's a three times a week newsletter. We're launching something uh, very big very soon. And then another medium as well um, this year. And we just, we have, a lot more to do but in the end if i can help be a little tiny piece of the force of change to democratize and destigmatize mental health because of what i've been through and growing my company and you know childhood etc that would truly be enough for me and feel like i actually made an impact in the world love it and i um completely get it as well um so many questions about working with a mother and daughter uh, team as well. That's going to be fascinating. However, um, in the spirit of running out of time and also not wanting to milk you for everything because so much more to learn from you by following your journey. um, I'd love to know just on reflection, like what is the key lesson that you would share for entrepreneurs that are listening, that are inspired by your journey, that want to go on a similar one to you? (sighs) Um, well, first of all, I am so honored to inspire anyone. Um, but I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is truly, I used to think professors, parents, you know, people with authority, they were the all seeing oracles of the world that if they told you, you couldn't do something, it couldn't be done. And by, you know, pure survival and having to believe that they had to be wrong, not, you know, being strong enough to believe that, but just having no other choice. I realized that nobody 
can build your destiny except for yourself. And so even if you have no expertise in a space, no business expertise, no background, no connections, no anything, if you are passionate about something that you want to start and you want to change the world, then you have everything you need. Because what I did was I studied books, I studied podcasts, I studied people's journeys. I I learned as much as I could from the people who had failed and succeeded in the spaces I wanted to be in. And so I think the number one lesson that I could you know, ever say to an entrepreneur is never give up. Because if I would have given up you know, two years ago, I would have never gotten to this place. And even when it gets hard, even when everybody says that it's a stupid idea and it'll never work, just believe in yourself enough, have enough, you know, um, I guess, self-awareness to see if you have to pivot, but believe in yourself enough that you know that you can do it no matter what the end result looks like. Amazing. Daniela, thank you so much for your time on Secret Leaders. It's been inspiring, humbling, and a lot of fun as well. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be on here, Dan. So I thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. I listened, I like binged a bunch of the podcasts um, when I realized that I was going to be on it. So I just am so honored that you want to hear my story. And thank you again for having me. Now that's an endorsement. If you're also a fan of Secret Leaders, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We love to hear what you think, and it does actually make a difference. Next week on Secret Leaders. A lot of entrepreneurs are trying to come up with the tagline that is going to describe who they want to be in 10 years. It doesn't work. The tagline that we ended up going out with was the things people do for $5. Does it describe Fiverr, the public company, 13 years after? No, doesn't matter. That's Misha Kaufman, founder of Fiverr, a global online marketplace for freelancers like designers and copywriters. Now, he founded the company in 2009 and took it through its IPO a decade later. They now have over 4 million people buying freelance services. Find out how he did it. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening to this episode of Secret Leaders. I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. It was produced by Ruth Edwards and brought together by our head of podcasts, Will Stolomon.